1: Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
2: Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?
3: Hi, this is Malayan Verveer. And this is Kim Azzarelli. We are co-authors of the book, Fast Forward, How Women Can Achieve Power and Purpose. And you're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Welcome to this special edition of Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose. During these difficult times, we're bringing you conversations with leaders who are using their power for purpose. We're talking to experts who can help us gain a perspective on the impact of the coronavirus, as well as share tips, tactics, resources, and some inspiration. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Katherine Hirsch-Pasek at the Department of Psychology at Temple University and a senior fellow in the Brookings Institute. Her research examines the development of early language, literacy, and the role of play in learning. Thanks so much for joining me.
4: It is a pleasure to be here.
3: Well, you are a very bright person on a day that is very difficult, and we appreciate that. <laughs>
4: Thank you. Well, I think we have to put a little bit of sunshine here because um, it could be a long time, you know? So I think we're in hunker down kind of thing.
3: Well, uh Absolutely. I think everybody is trying to do whatever they can to adjust to this new normal. And, you know, one of the things that we want to talk to you about today is uh, how we deal with the children. Um, You know, parenting, we know, is tough on an easy day, uh, let alone (laughs) in the middle of a crisis. So how should parents talk to their kids about coronavirus?
4: Well, great, great question. And uh, obviously that depends a bit. On the age of the child. Um, but mostly I think it's, it's to be straightforward without creating panic. Now those don't sound like they go together, so give me a moment to explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first is that even our youngest children, even our three-year-olds and four-year-olds, they know that something's up. Right. Why are mom and dad home all the time? Why can I not go to the park? Why is the park closed? Why are the museums closed? Why do I not have swim lessons on Thursdays? Now, they might not know it's Thursday, but they're pretty confused as to what's happening. And I think what we want to do is rather calmly and as truthfully as you can be with a little person to say, well, a lot of things have changed right now and we're just trying out a new schedule, Mm -hmm. you know, but the important thing is you, my dear, are safe and sound and we are going to have a good time, (laughs) okay, and that's reassuring to kids that you'll be there and you're going to take care of me.
3: I feel like that's and, a good good thing to say to adults, too. <laughs> we're going to have yeah, a good time.
4: Yeah, no, actually, it really is. I mean, what we're seeing everywhere is, you know, a rise in anxiety that is almost untold and unchecked. And and I will admit to you that I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, it's got us all quite anxious. So I think um, learning how to deal with, with our own anxiety so we aren't constantly tuned into the news and so that our children aren't constantly tuned into the news. It's just better off if they don't see it. Let's make sure they don't see the news. Obviously, if they're 16, they've already known what's going on. They're probably on Twitter, and they're probably seeing the reports, and they know what's happening. And I think there we want to be very clear with them about what makes a difference. You know, this is something where we have the science to beat it, right? There are places like Germany and South Korea that are doing a really good job and that have come out with tests. And we're getting it, too. Yep, yep. And so you will be protected here. And right now, that's what we're doing. We're creating our own safety zone.
3: Yeah, that that that's great advice, and I think I I can really see that also in the children that are, that we've seen. That just to have that sense of calmness from the parents. I mean, as you say, they they can sense anxiety so easily. So I yeah. think that, that what you're saying makes so much sense. And then we can talk to ourselves and use the same uh, use the same log- logic on ourselves.
4: So that gets to one other point I just wanted to mention, which is. We're all used to more order than we have right now. Um, In fact, I don't remember a time when there was ever less order (laughs) than we have right now. So I think thinking about with your child, so your child doesn't feel like they have no agency, think about what would you like to do tomorrow? Yeah. You know, should we do something to create a band? And then next we'll go on a walk outdoors? Um, Yesterday, I met six feet apart, um, but I met my granddaughter um, and her mommy. And even though I stayed six feet apart, we both put on our boots because it was pouring in Philadelphia. And we went out to find puddles. (laughs) And my four-and-a-half-year-old and I went puddle jumping. So fun. Now, you know, and we made a plan earlier in the day. We're going to meet at 3 o'clock to go puddle jumping. And you know what? Yeah, blast. And, and I just wanted to mention, too, that as you do this schedule, um, grandparents are really helpful human beings. Yeah. So let me just give you an example of that, not because I'm a grandparent, but because, honestly, we have a great group of people. So let's talk it through. Most people have to still do Zoom meetings. And I don't know about you guys, but having a Zoom meeting, business meeting that's important going on on my computer with little kids around feels like task impossible. <laughs> and so I think it's a great idea when my kids say, mom, need you to come in. And there are free tours of 2,500 of the most famous museums in the world are all online right now. That's incredible. I can go to the Berliner Orchestra and listen to the Berlin Symphony Orchestra with my kids and point out the instruments. Isn't that great? I can take geographic tours by going on Google Maps and finding out, wonder what French cafes look like. Learn a new language. Notice all the things I'm doing as a grandparent that I can do virtually with my kids. Yeah. And there's also Cosmo kids that we can do together.
3: How important do you think outdoor play is in this moment? Is that that, because there are a lot of kids who can't get access to outdoor play right now?
4: You know, it's very important if indeed it's safe to go outdoors. And what I mean by that is some people live in very dense environments where you'll just make the streets super crowded in a way that makes it rather hard to keep the six-foot distance.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, New York is facing that right now.
3: Yeah. A lot
4: of people live in uh, apartments. And what are you supposed to be, two sidewalk patches away from anybody else? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's just difficult. And for kids, I think even, even more difficult. So we can create games around that. And going out and getting some fresh air really helps. Uh, if you have a rooftop, go up and take a peek, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, Or go at times that are less congested than other times. Um, If you happen to live in an area where you have a backyard, I think it's a great time to visit the backyard. If there are any walking trails, find a walking trail in New York, go along the river.
3: Well, you've given us great ideas for some indoor fun, too, with the different museums and and orchestras and, and games. Um, What about kids who won't have a play date? How do you feel about social interaction with other children if they don't have access to that?
4: Well, you know, we do have access, and that's how we have to change our thinking to be more positive. Um, I don't see any reason why kids can't see their friends on FaceTime, and I think it's a really good idea for them to do that. And, you know, you can even get together multiple friends. You could do, you know, if you're in middle school and you want to do a yoga class together with your friends, do it, right? Yeah. You want to play a game together, go do it. You could play Pictionary.
3: That also sounds like fun. I I think I want to hang with you.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you can play charades. Come on over.
3: (laughs) I'm suggesting actually right now that you create a Zoom where everyone can play games, where you can lead games. I think that would be really fun.
4: Oh my God, that would be a great idea. We should do it. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. Tell your listeners yes. to look at Kathy and Row One because we are tweeting out the good advice that we get. And since we're in this for the long run, I I will promise you that maybe we will put up a Zoom site and actually do activities that you can all join in on for like fifteen twenty minutes, and and at least you'll get it live.
3: That would be fantastic. Give us the website yeah, again.
4: it's um, it's Kathy and Row One is our Twitter.
3: Okay, great. It's can our you spell Twitter it out? handle.
4: K-A-T-H-Y-A-N-D-R-O-1.
3: We'll be back after this break. So um, let's talk about school for a minute because I know uh, parents are very concerned about keeping their kids' schoolwork on track.
4: Right, right, right. Do you have
3: some tips for that?
4: Um, There are a lot of activities that are being put forth. Sometimes the schools themselves have remote learning that's going on. When the school doesn't have remote learning, there's a lot of activities that can help you just allow your kids to be learning while they're having a blast. And let me tell you that that's not so hard to do. I'm going to just give you a couple of examples. Um, So let's do math and science. So would you believe that building block structures is actually really important for preschoolers who are going to learn later math? It's called spatial learning. Spatial relational learning. Um, I do a couple towers. Here's a good way to occupy kid time. And if you have blocks in the house, arrange them in like six different ways, going from pretty easy, one block on top of another, to a little bit harder, the one block on top of another is rotated, (laughs) to something that goes all the way to maybe using seven or ten blocks, and challenge your child to see if your child can actually recreate what you just did. Well, believe it or not, when they're doing that, they're turning and rotating. And you then have a discussion with them later, oh, did you put the red on top of the green? The blue next to the to the orange? You're using spatial terms like next to, on top of, through, around, in, which are spatial terms which help young children learn various skills that are going to be important in math. Let's do another easy one. You can draw a group of shapes and just put them on the floor, just cut them out and put them on the floor and see if the kids can do a jumping game to get to all the triangles, to get to all the circles, to get to all the rectangles.
3: Again, I feel like that would be great for adults too,
4: <laughs> some exercise. Oh, these are- Fun. These are so fun, I have to tell you. As you get older, one of my absolute favorites, if you have like a family of four around, is uh, create a human scramble, which is a game like Scrabble. Okay? Now, each of you has like, especially get more people involved. But you're not allowed more than ten. <laughs> you pick up letters, and then you all have to move in many different directions to see how many words you can create.
3: Amazing. Love
4: it. Love it. Isn't that fun?
3: So fun. So fun. Yes,
4: And that's a literacy game, right? We can act out the stories they read. Gosh knows, they read these stories so many times over and over and over. And then there's some beautiful experiments on the web that are wonderful science experiments. We did one not long ago where – we just put some colored water um, in a glass, and then we put a piece of celery in, and we wanted to see how long would it take till the color went all the way up the celery. And then we came onto the web to try to look at all the scientific explanations for it. You know, another easy one is to take water and put it in bottles, but put it at different heights and then blow the top and see if you can get a musical instrument out of it. I love it. I mean, my point is only that while they sound hard, they're really pretty easy. And you can create a day with some of these activities. And then don't forget, it's important for you to have downtime too. Because homeschooling is really hard, especially when you're carrying another full-time job and more than one kid.
3: Right. And what do you suggest in terms of, I mean, that whole dynamic is really really difficult, especially for single parents. So I think Mm. a lot of people are, of course, using screen time as a way they have no choice. You know, there's a being practical. How much screen time do you think is okay right now for school-age children?
4: (laughs) I got this beautiful chart yesterday. There was a a piece by a former student of mine um, in The Conversation. Which is a wonderful publication that has some really, really good advice. And uh, my uh, former student is a mother of a young child. And she thought, oh my God, the advice that experts are giving is really good and really interesting, but can sometimes be crazy if you're a parent on the ground and sit you here. And so she sent out the following chart, and I just want to share it with your, with your listeners. You know, so people say, That two and under should have absolutely no digital media except FaceTime. But what are parents really doing? 42 minutes. The experts say that two to five year olds should have no more than one hour daily. What are people doing? Two hours and 39 minutes. (laughs) The experts say that six to eight year olds, well, They don't really have a specific limit as long as the digital media doesn't interfere with their physical activity and sleep, and they're doing roughly three hours.
3: We see a pattern here.
4: So I say this only because you don't want to get to what's going on with the 13-year-olds and beyond, because they're using an average of seven to 10 hours a day. Wow. And that's not okay. Yeah. Um, That's more than a full-time job. Right. Right? And that's not healthy to be not social. Right. And it also means you're kind of zooming out in front of the computer. Would I be a little easier on my times with parents today? I sure would. And as a mother of three, I probably always was. But at the same time, remember that human interaction, human-to-human interaction is what's important. And our kids need to know we're there for them right now.
3: So what are practical so find- things parents can do to to interrupt that time? Because I know that's not easy and obviously Absolutely. screen time is very addictive. So what can they do to create, not create discord in the house in this moment, but at the same time, you know, create a healthy boundary for their children?
4: Yeah, well, I think that's a discussion you have to have with your children. I mean, they're even seeing, you know, brain differences for kids who are bazonkered on screen time, obviously in a short period of time. That there's the coronavirus, am I going to worry? No. But but I think what our children don't realize is that there are other alternatives. And that may be up to us. It's sort of the day the computer broke. You know? (laughs) Like, what would you do if your iPhone broke and your computer broke? Would you just sit there hopelessly? Of course you wouldn't. Well, maybe you would, but you wouldn't sit there hopelessly. You would come up with the kind of games like the Shape Zone and the Bottle Blowing and the Put the Color in the Water and the Science Experiments. And how fun would they be for our children to play? Even a game like Simon Says, you know, or those old uh, clapping games or matching games or I Spy With My Yellow Eye. You would not believe how many things are out there. And for those of us who are old enough to remember a childhood without computers and without smart screens, which, by the way, is anyone over 12 years of age, okay? Because remarkably, the smartphone only came in in 2007, I'm sorry, 13 years of age. So
3: We'll be back after this break. my last question, which I usually ask people, is what gives you hope or optimism right now? But I feel like this entire conversation was hopeful and optimistic.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my hope or optimism is, is really this. Human beings throughout history have been through tough periods. And there is no question that this is a tough period. It's a tough period for us. And it's a tough period for our kids. And I would argue that the demands are even greater now than ever before in history. Because we have moved work home and we have moved school home. And they are clashing right now in our living room. And that is tough stuff. And the smaller the space, the more the intrusion is. But through those tough times, if we can find a way to respect one another and one another's needs, and that means our children respecting the time we need too. Like, if there's a time to put Frozen on for the 10th time, it's probably when you have that important business meeting, right? Right. (laughs) And at the same time, you don't want to hang on the computer beyond that business meeting. Put a stop time. Yeah. Cook with your kids and figure out how to bring back very special family time. And the amazing thing you're going to find is as we play some of these games where our kid is learning too and we're learning, the other thing we're learning is the art, sometimes lost art, of social interaction. And here's my prediction for the beyond corona time should we ever find it. I believe there's gonna be a day when we're gonna sit next to our child in a park bench and instead of both looking at our cell phones, we're gonna look into each other's eyes.
3: Well, that is a very hopeful message for our listeners and for for all of us. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to Seneca Women, conversations on power and purpose, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio, with support from founding partner P&G. Listen to Seneca Women Conversations on power and purpose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please support this podcast by telling your friends, subscribing, and rating us. For more information on Seneca Women, follow us on social media, visit our website, SenecaWomen.com, and check out the Seneca Women app, free in the App Store. Have a great day.